Welcome to Rise from the Ashes. Our podcast looks at various issues for families. We'll be talking with attorneys about personal and legal concerns having to do with divorce, custody, and parenting time. There are also a few topics about letting go, moving on, and new beginnings. Please keep in mind this podcast is only to inform and help to understand legal and personal issues as they relate to family law. It should not be considered as a replacement for a qualified family law attorney. When in doubt, please contact a professional. Rise from the ashes, focusing on matters of the family, because family matters. Hi, and welcome to our podcast. I'm David Braddock, and I'll be the host for this podcast. And today we're talking with Amy Rotering. Amy is an associate attorney at Mundal Law who specifies in estate law. How are you doing today, Amy? I'm doing great, David. Thank you. Our topic for today will be what happens to a loved one's estate if they don't have a will? Maybe we could just specify a couple of the general terms to get started. What is considered to be an estate? An estate consists of everything that a person owns. So that can be tangible property, such as their home and their car, and I think most people understand that. There's also intangible property, which could include future rights to property, or less commonly we see copyrights to a a book or a manuscript. More importantly, a person's estate also includes the topic of guardianship. If someone passes away and they have children who are under the age of 18, a very important part of their estate is who's going to take care of their children financially and where are those children going to live after the person passes away. Basically, it's everything legally that that person has been responsible for in their life. And that's why a will is so important. That's the primary reason for the importance of a will. What is the court looking at with respect to the importance of having a will? First and foremost, the court wants to understand the wishes of the person who's passed away. They want to know what the person had in mind as far as where they want their property to go and who's going to take care of their children. Courts do not want to have to make those decisions on their own because they don't know the person. They only see the person's family members and they have very little contact with the case before it comes before them. So they would much rather see the person making those decisions for themselves. Otherwise, they are forced to make that decision according to the laws of the state of Minnesota, which may not reflect the values and intentions at all of that person. So having a will allows the court to be able to see, okay, this is exactly what they were looking at for this particular situation. Exactly. I always tell clients, if you do not come up with an estate plan, the state will do it for you. And wouldn't it be better for you to have the final say in where you want your property to go? It might be awkward for someone that you don't even know, a judge, to make some of these determinations on things that the family would certainly care about. And now you've got someone that is unfamiliar with your family doing these decisions. And when those family members disagree with the court, it can sometimes turn into a lengthy and very expensive court battle for the family members that could be easily prevented if there is a will in place. And all that money comes out of the estate, is that correct? It does come out of the estate if there are enough assets in the estate. And once the estate runs out of assets, then those loved ones would have to start paying those expenses out of their own pockets. 
And essentially, those are legal expenses, paying for attorneys and whatever kind of investigation might need to be made for specific property or what have you. Exactly. And it adds up very quickly. I would imagine. Now, there are some people that arrive at this decision of whether to have a will or not, and they say, hey, why do I even need a will? I'm going to be gone or I'll be dead. Why should that matter to me? I don't need a will. What do you say to them? Well, David, I say to them, having that attitude then means that they are leaving major decisions about their property and their lives to putting them into the hands of a stranger, the judge or the court, and their loved ones and family members really will have no say in what happens to their property. That means savings and years of hard work are going to be paid not to their loved ones, but they're going to be paid to the court in the form of administrative fees, and they're going to most likely be paid to attorneys in the form of expensive legal fees because the probate process is not a simple and easy process. It is a lengthy process. It takes several months, even under the best of circumstances. That type of lengthy process very quickly eats into any available assets that loved ones would normally have available to them if there is a plan in place. So much better to have a will than no will. Absolutely. If one compares the cost of preparing a will to the cost of the probate process, if there is no will, there's no question that creating an estate plan is in the best interest of not only the individual, but their family members and loved ones. So what is this process that we generally are talking about? This process is called probate, and it is the legal distribution of a person's assets after they have passed away. Why is it so expensive? Well, anytime you involve the court in any type of process, your costs are going to go up. The first reason that it's so expensive is because there are a number of appearances that a person has to make in court in order to promulgate the distribution of those assets. So the first thing that someone has to do is that they have to let the court know that this person has passed away and that there is an estate that needs to be distributed. That is done by filling out a petition to the court and several documents that need to accompany that petition. That includes a list of the assets. It includes not only all of the assets that the person owned, but it also needs to include a list of anyone who would be eligible to receive those assets. So not just immediate family members, but also distant family members. So the person who is petitioning the court has to obtain names, addresses, phone numbers of potentially several people and has to have a very accurate idea of what the person owned at the time that they passed in order to give that information to the court. The reason being for having to locate all of those people is so that they can be informed of this process taking place, whether they know that their loved one has passed away or not. And if they're people that are part of the estate, they're going to need to be informed. Is that correct? That is correct. If there is no will, that is the case, whether or not the person who passed away had a relationship with those people. The law just says that anyone who is a descendant of that person is eligible to receive from the estate. If there are those people that did have a relationship, that needs to be determined by the court. So it seems that each party generally could be represented by an attorney, including the deceased. Is that right? That is correct. What the 
court will do is they will appoint what's called a personal representative to represent the interests of the estate. Most of the time, that person is either the surviving spouse or a child of the decedent, if the child, of course, is of age to be able to do that. But in most cases, that personal representative will be represented by an attorney, particularly if they anticipate that there is going to be conflict within a family as to who is going to inherit what. Unfortunately, we see that happen more times than not when there is no will in place. Tell us a little bit about the probate process. What's to be decided? Well, there are two objectives in probate. The first is that the court must appoint a personal representative, and they do that because the personal representative represents the interests of the estate. And the second objective is for the personal representative to distribute the assets of the estate of the loved one who's passed away. Both of these occur whether there's a will or not. But if there's a will, it's likely to be a faster process and a less expensive process because in a will, the loved one designates a personal representative who they want to represent their interests. And they also talk about who they want their assets to go to. Is there some kind of a a process that the court goes through even just to appoint a personal representative? Who, Who gets to be the personal representative? If there is no will, then the court has to decide who the personal representative is going to be. Normally what the court will do is, if there is a surviving spouse, they will designate the surviving spouse. If there are children, the court will be most likely to appoint one of the children. The trouble comes along if the children can't agree on who should be the personal representative. Okay, so let's say that you've got a probate happening and there needs to be a decision made on a personal representative the children or the potential beneficiaries, people who would benefit the most, can't get along. Who gets appointed personal representative then? What happens then is that the court will set a hearing date for some time in the future, and then the court will hear testimony from each sibling as to why that sibling should be appointed the personal representative. What normally happens is that hearing is set out approximately two months in advance, and then each sibling normally will hire their own attorney, and they will come to court in two months, and then they will each give their side of why they should be designated, and then the court will make a decision after that. What if the court sees that there's just way too much contention amongst these siblings or potential beneficiaries to the probate, and they don't think that anyone of that group is appropriate? What then? In those cases, then the court appoints an independent personal representative, and that personal representative most likely will have an attorney of their own. And the administrative expenses of that personal representative and their attorney are paid out of the assets of the estate. So you can see how quickly the cost of probate can add up when there's no will and siblings do not get along with each other. What sounds like a really good idea is to try to get along with each other so that you can decide upon someone amongst yourselves. Absolutely. Not only will it save a lot of emotional pain, but it'll save a lot of money and will leave more to distribute to everyone. Once we have a personal representative decided upon, I'm sure that doesn't necessarily solve everything. Unfortunately, it doesn't. There are three additional considerations. First of all, any time the personal representative needs to make a decision in a contested matter, there has to be a hearing in front of the judge. 
Each hearing is scheduled approximately two months out from when it is requested, and it involves all the parties to the probate process. Second, if there's disagreement, then any assets, such as the home or the jewelry or any major assets of the estate, have to be appraised, which, of course, will also incur additional expenses for the family. What if the loved one who has passed away has young children still in the home? That aspect poses special concerns when there are children who are not old enough to take care of themselves yet. Then the family has to involve the family court, not only to decide where the children will permanently stay, but where will they stay during the pendency of the probate process. As you can tell, if the family is not getting along and there is no will, that process can take several months, sometimes even years. And in the meantime, these children are in limbo because they don't know where they're going to be for any given period of time. And it causes, as you can imagine, a lot of strain and a lot of stress within a family on top of having to deal with the loss of their loved one and the grieving that goes along with that. For all the reasons mentioned, it sounds like it really is a good idea to make sure that you have a will in place. It keeps the cost down. It prevents difficulties along the way. Any other reasons the importance of having a will will help the direction an estate will go? Having a will doesn't necessarily mean that there will be no fighting among the surviving family members, but what it does do is it keeps the focus on the intent of that loved one both within the family and with the court. And it helps to ease some of that emotional and financial strain on the family that is already part of the probate process because they're already dealing with the fact that they've lost someone that they love. And now they have to make all these decisions on behalf of that loved one. If they already know what that loved one intended to do, then it makes the decision a lot easier. Is there anything else that you can tell us about the probate process or wills? What else can you let us know about? Well, David, as the saying goes, nothing is sure but death and taxes. So if you're listening to this right now and you are faced with the death of a loved one and you're not sure what to do, it is definitely worth your time to go in and see a good, experienced attorney because they can tell you what happens next and they can tell you what your options are. Even if you're not faced with that right now, At some point in the future, you probably will be. And it's just always a good idea to have knowledge and be prepared. I would still recommend that it is a great investment of your time to go in and talk to an attorney about the process and about what you can do now so that you will be prepared. And when that time comes, you will know what to do. Thank you, Amy. You're welcome, David. You are listening to Rise from the Ashes, the podcast channel that takes a careful look at all things having to do with legal procedure within the family law process. Rise from the Ashes is sponsored by Mundal Law, who specializes in assisting families and individuals through the legal process with respect, dignity, and caring. Mundal Law is dedicated to helping people to solve their legal problems. You can visit the Mundall Law website at mundalllaw.com or call to schedule a consultation with one of their qualified family law attorneys. Rise from the ashes, focusing on matters of the family, because family matters.